Meet Allison, teammate at Truist Bank. Hi. She was born to care and she always had your back. You could say that. Like that time back in the mid 80s when she spotted Stacy Kaminsky with her new perm and a car was coming, about to hit a puddle. So Allison jumps in front of the splash just in time to protect Stacy's fresh curls. Look, I had to do it. A wet perm just doesn't work. Today, Allison's a teammate at Truist, the bank that starts with care. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Learn more at truist.com slash care. Truist Bank, member FDIC. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, it's time for The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio. Now, here's your host, Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and welcome to this edition of The Bill Alexander Show. I am so excited to have you join me today because my 10-year-old self, my 14-year-old self, and my 20-year-old self is just jumping with inside of me with glee and joy because of who I have on the phone line. Right now, speaking with us is former Charlie's Angel, Jacqueline Smith. Jacqueline, how are you doing today? Oh, it's a great day. I'm in Los Angeles. It's sunny. It's bright. It's been very cold here. And today's a little warmer, so I am happy to be doing this interview and talking to you across the country. Well, I am, I'm so grateful that you were able to join me today because, again, as I said off uh, before we started doing this, that it is such a great pleasure to be able to talk to you because I remember... As a 10-year-old, when Charlie's Angels came on TV, and to me, that was just amazing that you had three extremely attractive ladies fighting crime, which at that (laughs) period of time, I don't think we ever saw that before, let alone being 10 years old and seeing three extremely attractive females wearing the outfits that you wore that we didn't really see on TV at the time. So again, thank you very much for joining me. Well, I'm happy to. I, I do think our show was sort of, it was truly groundbreaking, yes. because uh, you're right, you didn't see three female detectives, and you didn't see emotionally independent women fighting crime and going about their business, and uh, the bond between the girls, I think, was something fun for the audiences to see, because we were really friends above all. Above crime fighting, we were good friends. What really amazed me about the program is it was only on for five years, but yet it has such a following to this day, let alone making movies after. Right. uh, You know, it's surprising to me. I'm doing a book, and of course, Charlie's Angels will be a chapter in that book. And it's when you think only five, you know, it was only five years, but yet at the time there was just... uh, Three networks, and um, our our ratings were phenomenal, mm-hmm. and we really pulled in a incredible audience share, and I guess it was a winning concept, and 
we've gone the distance. We've we, we, when I think about how many years ago that was, it's unbelievable, and it's it's such a good feeling that people still follow follow us yes. and want to know what we're doing. And and what again is interesting is that you've had you had a career before Charlie's Angels, and I don't think anybody real or many people realize that because you were. You were a model, you were doing commercials, you were doing guest appearance on TV programs. Maybe they didn't know who you were at the time, but you were. You were on quite a few TV programs before Charlie's Angels even got casted, correct? Yes, I think, you know, one one important role I did was on Switch with Robert Wagner and Mm -hmm. Eddie Albert, because that sort of gave me um, my introduction to Aaron Spelling and Lynn Goldberg, because the original idea was to have a blonde, a brunette, and a redhead. I was not a redhead. But they had seen me on Switch and liked me, and R.J., Robert Wagner, mm-hmm. said, you've got to really see this girl. And uh, that sort of gave me an in to getting an audition for Charlie's Angels. So, you know, I, I had worked as a model, and I really went to New York to study ballet. So I was a ballet dancer that got into commercials and musical comedy so there's always a lot of stuff that happens before that one show that makes you a household name and, and i was also under contract to max factor okay um so it was kind of a lot going on at that time and on the tv program switch you played ali mcginnis which yes. uh yes which i do remember that series and a lot of the other things i mean you were on mcleod you were on, you even had a guest appearance on The Partridge Family. And, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> that was at the very beginning, yeah. and I loved it. It was such fun. And, and McLeod, even, I did several McLeods, and, and I, working with Dennis Weaver was a thrill. And I, again, I was cast as a ballet, as a model once and as a ballet dancer, so typecasting. Yes. <laughs> and uh, very, you know, I think uh, that was sort of, that was really before Switch. That was way before Switch, the McLeod, you know, at least a year before. And um, it was wonderful. I worked with an incredible director named Lou Antonio who directed that first McLeod I did, and he's still very much a part of my life. So, you know, you go the distance, and that makes it really interesting to keep some of those special people in your life. So what I find interesting is, as you said, you went to New York, you're from Texas, you went to New York to be a ballet dancer, and of course, looking at the early commercial and the magazine work that you did, you could tell that you had that look of being a professional model. I don't know if I want to say it was the look of the girl next door, because trust me, the girl that lived next door to me did not look like that, <laughs> but... It, it was. It was a very wholesome, very um, a very innocent look when you were doing it. Especially the, there's a Breck uh, TV commercial for the hair shampoo that um, I recently came across. And I watched it and I'm going, really, it's hard to believe that that young lady right there ended up being a Charlie's Angel, ended up being who you are today. Right. That was very much, you know, I think commercials were a great training ground because you have 30 seconds to put across an idea or sell a product, and you learn a lot just watching yourself on film and being able to do, capture whatever you're to capture in 30 seconds, 60 seconds. 
So the Breck uh, commercial really got me that big role in McLeod. Oh, really? Because the producer, Glenn Larson, had seen me in the Breck commercial and said, I'd like to interview that girl. So, you know, one thing leads to another, and you just keep working away and climbing that ladder. And, you know, it's interesting. Again, Glenn Larson was the producer of McLeod, and he also did Switch. So a, another person that remained in, in my career that was a believer in it. And it's nice to have those mentors along the way that believe in you and just, you know, <laughs> give you these great roles. <laughs> that That's just amazing that how everybody in in, in the, the business at the time were all connected to other people and that you still ended up working with them, not in the, not only in the beginning, but throughout your career. Right. And, you know, I guess that's, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's about being, I just watched Helen Mirren win, um, you know, uh, an award on the Screen Actors Guild last night. And she said, you know, you show up and you're fair and you're easy to work with. And that gives you longevity in your career. She used another word. You're not an ass. So, you know, I think my upbringing, I think you bring your upbringing with you. You said wholesome. I had a wholesome upbringing, and I had great parents, and that all helped ground me and lead the way for whatever you have to go through in this business, the ups and downs and arounds. There's all that. But I must say it's been very good to me. I've had a very varied career and one that brings in so many different aspects of an artistic world. You know, I'm, I'm branding, which I started that 36 years ago, mm-hmm. and I've um, been able to do that in many different areas, which I'm very proud of. When you were cast for Charlie's Angels, what attracted you to that program in the beginning? Well, one, <clears throat> I thought it was different. It was unique. You don't, as you said before, you don't see three girls as leads in a series. Usually it's the guy and a girl, or the, there's your wife, your uh, mother. You're, you know, you're not always out in the world fighting uh, crime and being independent at that time. So I love the bond of the girls. I love that the show was unique. I loved the track record of Aaron Spelling and Lynn Goldberg, and... I read the script, and it it was fun. It was a caper. It was more con at the beginning, like how they were going to carry this off. Right. And it was just fun. And I thought, this is pure entertainment. It's not to be overanalyzed. It's just going to bring in, you know, families to watch this show. Uh, Today, you know, you've got to really search for a family show. And I think, like you said, you watched it as a young, you know, 9-year-old and 13, 14 so I think it, it crossed the age gap, you yes. know. And it, and it was entertaining. Now, I, when I look back at the 1970s and I look at I look at um, crime dramas, you had Kojak, you had McCloud, you had these, but really the only woman you had fighting crime was Angie Dickinson as policewoman. Right, and but, that was a more real, you know, our show had fantasy to it. It had... Uh, you know, the fashion element and the right. escape. As Aaron Spelling said, it's mind candy. It's not just, it, but it's the whole candy store. So 
that's what he went after. He went after pure entertainment. We weren't going for, okay, this is this is three, you know, hard-nosed, you know, right. detectives. Um, and at the time, that kind of flair and fantasy to a show didn't exist. So we were sort of the first that brought that in. So when you when you did the program, the the original three, Kate Jackson, Farrah Fawcett, and yourself. Mm-hmm. Did you think the program was centering around Farrah because it seems that that was the way doing it, or was it just because of her popularity of the time? I think it was her popularity. She was just, uh, you know, her hairstyle was as popular as she was. Right. She was something. And, um, you know, it, the concept of the show was three girls alive on the screen at all times. At, as that show went on, we would say, hey, let this angel carry that show and we'll sit back and have a little break. Aaron and Lynn didn't believe in that. They they wanted three women on the screen at all times. So her popularity, you know, was just the magic of Farrah. You know, it wasn't that they centered it around her. She just was an extremely, um, you know, popular and yeah, she just appealed to millions. Her poster did and it oh, hung yes. in every boy's room. <laughs> yes, I had that, and I also had the poster of the three angels in my room, also, uh, <laughs> which was of you, Kate, and Farah. So again, uh-huh. I had that one also. <laughs> but right when when you look at it, you were the only individual that stayed with the show from beginning to end, correct? Yes. Well, yeah. After you see what Farah went through with the lawsuits and right, you know, she did come back and do two different seasons, a certain amount of shows, um, I think, in the third and fourth season. And Kate, toward the end, they didn't pick up her option because she was not that happy on the show. And um, that was the producer's decision to say, hey, we'll introduce a new angel. She's not that happy. So um, as far as my standpoint, Cheryl four years and she was wonderful and easy to work with Mm -hmm. and I love Cheryl but that bond of the first three that was never repeated you know it didn't happen that everybody just was on the same rhythm and and wavelength Uh, that was only the first season and but what can you do Farrah did not want to stay I think she regretted maybe not staying and then Kate there was some difficulties so you sort of my upbringing is you sign a contract, you fulfill it. Right. And that's what I did. And I'm happy I did. Because when, when, and you're right, you said that first season, there was that connection. And if you yeah. watch it now, and, and me being an adult watching it, you can see that every uh, subsequent season, you could see there was some type of tension going on. Um, and yeah. with introducing different characters like Shelley Hack and, uh, Tanya Roberts. Now, Cheryl Ladd was very close to the original chemistry, but the last two, I don't think, really came even close. Um, well, I think they were all good. It's just hard for an audience to, um, what can I say? They get attached, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I thought each each angel had something very special. Tanya... Okay. I think Shelley did, but I think the audience, it's like the last movie of Charlie's Angels. They changed it too much. 
Oh, I agree. <laughs> it was too dark. It was too hard. There were three Bosleys. I mean, come on. Stick with the original concept or call it something else. Right. And they didn't. And as far as the New Angels, people missed who they loved. Yeah. And, you know, I think giving those girls, it was difficult to come in and replace people that had been on the show and a show that had been going. So I think they each had something special. It just didn't click like the first three. And and I and I agree with that totally. Now, when, once you did Charlie's Angels, did you feel you were typecast that you had to play a a, a policewoman or a detective or whatever it may be? Well, certainly not a policewoman or a detective, but maybe a a more glamorous role. You okay. know, they looked at us as sort of slick Barbie dolls, and <laughs> and so you get. You know, you get typecast, but you know, I went on to Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy. I yes. couldn't have been more thrilled. I went on to Rage of Angels, a Sidney Sheldon novel, Florence Nightingale, George Washington. So, you know, there's an edge of glamour to all of certainly Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy, uh, the character I played, Sally Fairfax, but certainly not Florence Nightingale. And for me to be cast in that, so I feel Charlie's Angels opened up doors for me, and I. You know, typecasting is part of it. Your demeanor, who you are, you know, it goes with you. And you just fight tooth and nail to see, have them see in a new light. Did, and you, I think, did you like, I mean, would you rather do suspense drama or would you rather do comedy? Because you were amazing on the TV program, Becker. Um, a little bit well, odd, <laughs> but you were amazing in that character. Well, I had fun, and Ted Danson's a dream to work with, but I guess really I'm, it, it's how the script strikes me at the time. I okay. like drama. I'm very, you know, an emotional person in real life, so emotional scenes I can get into and pull from things, but comedy's fun. It's, it's what strikes you when you're reading that script. Do you want to keep turning the pages? Is it interesting? Is this character something you can bring life to? It's really not drama or humor. I, I just want to find something I can get my teeth into and love doing. Now, one program that I saw, and I, I just thought, I was hoping until they made you the, the, the one that, uh, I don't want to, that, that, that uh, basically took care of the individual after the car accident was on Law & Order Special Victims Unit when you played uh, Susan, uh, was it Del- Delzio? I guess. You know, I did an interview recently. <laughs> I needed to look at that show again. I love doing it, you know, because uh, to go in on episodic television, that's what I mean about Shelley and Tanya. Yeah. A show's been going. It has a rhythm. It has It clicks a certain way. You know, but to step in, I love doing it. I love New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that character was a little sort of offbeat for me. So I was thrilled to do it. I was thrilled to do that character. I, w- I also liked the character Anne Margaret did in that. Oh, yes. They, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, it, it was a very good episode. And it, it was one that I, I still remember. And the one thing that I, and it just me, and I know the photos were taken for Charlie's Angel, and they had it in your folder when they opened it up, was the police 
photo that they had of you coming out of the quote-unquote academy. And of that age, because that would have been the year that you would have been starting out as a New York City police officer. Uh-huh. And I just, I'm going, I love it when that happens, because when they can make a connection to a previous role, even though it's not directly, but the audience can say, oh, I remember that. Right, right, right. Yeah, but not everybody watched it as much as you. That's very good. I, I've sort of forgotten that myself, <laughs> where they get a certain picture. But right. you're right. You always, I think people love, if they've loved the show, they like to tie the past to the present. Mm-hmm. And they, they like to see, it, it gives it more reality. And it gives it more depth. So I see what you're saying. You know, I, and I do sort of now recall that that picture was pulled from Charlie's. Yeah. And you also yeah. did a couple episodes of CSI um, playing the part of Olivia Hodges, which was also yeah. um, very interesting. Now, is there anything that you're working on right now, or are you phasing out of acting and doing more with your own products? Well, you know, I, no, I'm reading a script as we speak, you know, right now. Okay. If I love the role, I'll do it. You know, I just did an All-American, loved working with that cast. It was fun. It was a lot of young people. And then, of course, Tay Diggs and uh, Monique Monjour, uh, they were great. Uh, I played a lawyer, and that was just recent, before Christmas. Um, I, you know, I, I do branding, so I'm launching a new apparel line soon, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully we've made this beautiful collection of clothes and you know deciding what you know which direction we're going to go from here i have a line of fabrics for trend and you know if you're uh, passionate about your home and decorating i i recommend looking at my line of it's very reasonably priced but beautiful fabrics it's under the label jacqueline for trend and um i have a skincare which my husband developed for me, and it's all the skincare I used and patterned, and he enhanced it and did all the cutting-edge ingredients. And I have a line of wigs with Paula Young, so I'm extremely busy, and I feel very fortunate to be busy at my age and working, 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 and being challenged still because I think it's rejuvenating and challenge makes us better and it makes us grow and not just sit back. Um it's what makes our life interesting. So, and I'm writing a book. Oh wow! I'm writing a book. And when so. you talk about age, you're saying what forty, forty-five? That's about right. Absolutely, <laughs> Mister. Because <laughs> that's honestly, exactly the, what I feel. The, well, you look amazing. You really do. Well, um, thank you. Thank and, you. And when you got into the line of fashion and clothing, um, how long ago did that actually start? Because I remember you having a line of clothing selling at Kmart. Well, I, yeah, for 36 years. And then I went into Sears, the last five, Kmart and Sears. So 36 years of apparel with Kmart. I'm very proud of it. It's part of my history as much as Charlie's Angels did because it was the first fashion brand in the mass market. And it's gone the distance again. You know, anytime something remains, you know you've done it right. You know, it was still there. I chose to leave Kmart recently because, you know, they were concentrating more on hard goods and right. 
I wanted, you know, a lot of merchandise in there. And with the financial tr- troubles they were having, I felt I needed to start something new. But I'm grateful it was an education. I learned so much about branding and putting a product out at the right price. And um, again, so as proud of much, that as anything I did. So how much control did you actually have on that? Did you did you approve the designs? Did you look at the clothing oh, I'll, beforehand? I was very much a part of okay. all of it. You know, where a button went, what fabrics were choosing, um, the hang tag, the commercials, the print ads. Uh, you know, how many are we, are we going to... You know, when I started with Kmart, there were only pastel sweaters. I introduced navy, black, khaki, things that were not the Kmart customer and really brought fashion in, a pinstripe suit. and um, You know, I feel proud of what I accomplished there because I got educated on branding and my customer moved forward and took chances with apparel at, at a, you know, an affordable price, too. Right. It was quality at affordable price. So does the name Jacqueline Smith... Uh, command the same respect today as it did in 1986? Oh, wow. I, you know, I think maybe more. Okay. Because if I have following, and I don't really think about it, but I'm still here, I'm still working, and um, I think people that have followed me uh, realize that I've worked hard, and I think you don't get anywhere unless you do work hard. Right. And I think they realize I've gone in a lot of different directions, and I'm still out there doing it. I'm a grandmother now. I have two beautiful granddaughters. One's going to be five. The other one's going to be three. I'd steal them if I could, but they have great parents, so I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I just keep them with me all the time. Uh-huh. I mean, they're just pure. They're like a shot of sunshine every time they walk in. And um, so life is good. I mean, I'm grateful i i feel fortunate that i don't know i'm surrounded with loved ones and i'm working and i'm stimulated i think we need to keep keep doing it and keep challenging ourselves and that's what i'm doing so what is the book going to be about that you're working on right now really my life you know how i started my roots my parents which to me i got the best and I like to talk about that, and it's not to say that there's not bumps along the way, because everybody has those. That's life. Right. But how I started my career, Charlie's is just a chapter, um, the loss of parents, the bringing up children, um, divorce. Uh, you know, I, I divorced their dad, um, which was a very difficult time, but, you know, and all said and done, and are just... When I wrote it in the book, it, it was we did it right. We had these two beautiful children, and it was a very beautiful part of my life. Um, but he was uh, an alcoholic, a drug abuser, mm-hmm. but he got clean, and he's been clean 20 years. So bravo to him, and um, how good for him and, and his children. So, you know, I want to have a book that's not a tell-all Hollywood book. I want to say... You know, I went through this at a young age, and look where I am, and this is what I what I want to teach you that I learned and what I want to say about marriage and my attitude. I was so old-fashioned and pretty 
conservative, you know, when I started out in Hollywood and the film industry and in New York. I mean, so I want to talk about that period, which really doesn't exist today. So when you decided to go into that you wanted to dance Mm -hmm. and then do the modeling and then do the film and TV, how did your parents respond to that? Well, they were fine if I was dancing in Houston. They didn't want me to go to New York. <laughs> gotcha. And to get to go to New York, I, I first went to college for a year. I didn't love it. At Trinity University, and uh-huh. I wanted to go to New York. And, you know, there were certain rules. At first, they took me to New York, and we looked around. I was to do a finishing school. It was called the Helen Norfeet Fleet Finishing School. And then... There was another opportunity of letting me just try it out and be at the Barbizon Hotel for Women, which they've done books on. It's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and take my classes and make it two months and then go home. And I opted for the other because I've always been very homesick. And if I didn't want them to spend money on, you know, the school, if I couldn't really finish it. Because <laughs> right. I, I thought... I might be a little crybaby and go home. So I did the two months, went home, and then I was ready to come back and start a career. And, and that was the beginning of everything. It took me to the next level. I was so happy. And, you know, it was one step here and one step there and one commercial and one part on a television show. And so, um, but I think they... They did not want me to go, but they were the kind of parents that they trusted my decisions. I mean, I did not take a subway, so to this day I can't take a subway in New York because I don't know how. Okay. I just, it, it's just I get lost. Right. And um, I just followed the rules, you know. I was a rule follower. Interesting, because I don't know if we see people that go into your line of work as being rule followers, but... You 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 had a you had a process or a plan that you followed that helped you get to where you are today, which is kind of interesting to hear about. And I think the book is going to be uh, quite interesting to be able to hear see where you came from to where you are now and where you're eventually going. Yeah, it's kind of amazing because most people would have if they bet on me, they would have said she'll be back in Houston, Texas. After Christmas, you know, or right. before Christmas, because so close to my family. And, you know, listen, I had um, my mom until she was 95, my dad 84, but I lost him. I lost my grandfather. He lived to be almost 102, so oh, he wow. was my man. I mean, I uh-huh. was just passionate about this man. And, uh, you know, so three people, very important people I lost in my life. And it was, uh, you know, it, it you know, grief is uh, something I will write about in the book. Because, but yet, I realized to have that kind of feeling, I was lucky because it meant it was that kind of love was bigger than big. And, right. You know. So, is this your first book? Have you written before? I did a beauty book okay. um, right after Charlie. And uh, I did that, so this is the second book. And, and it's taking me a long time because to go back and write and think, and it's, eh, 
it's cathartic, it's hard, it's, you know, certain things I feel are not my story to tell. Do I put it in? Do I not? You know, all that's kind of challenging. Because you want to tell the truth. Right. Because a book without the truth, what's the sense of it? So, um, after Charlie's and you've done these appearances on other programs, did you ever want your own TV series? Um. Well, I did Christine Cromwell, which was really mine, but that was a revolving mystery movie. Right. I was really happy doing miniseries, you know, going from Jacqueline to Rage of Angels to Windmills of the Gun. I just one movie after another, and I, I did that, and I preferred it because I had children, and I could do a movie, take a break, and then go do another movie, take a break, or decide that I'm only going to work in the summer. I'm, you know, I'm a mom. I was a mom, so 100%. So it it was ideal how I worked because I could take breaks. And if I said in advance I can't miss a poetry reading at school or a football game, I got off, you know. Okay. I was at a place in my career where they let me do that. So mm, it was pretty – I sort of did it like I wanted to. I mean, series are great. And today they do a lot of ensemble uh, cast and right. series, which would be nice. But at that time, when I could have chosen to go right into another series or continue in the road I did, I, I would choose the road I did, I okay. chose, which, yeah. Now, I, I've been asking other people that I've talked to that had uh, did TV work in the 70s, do you think your career would have went in a different direction if we had the technology that we have today back in the 70s? Do you think it would have went in a different direction? Well, what, when you say technology, what do you mean? More I'm talking network? the Internet. I'm talking this whole, this whole idea of streaming services, YouTube, um, and stuff like that. No, I think a winning concept. Charlie's, and I'm not giving the girls credit, it was just a winning concept. So at that time, I think people were ready for that kind of entertainment. So I think it would have been a hit. It's just like Drew went on to do a movie. It was a hit. Um, the last one wasn't because they changed the story so much, much. But yeah. I think that if you've got a good concept and you've got some you know, good actors and a good script, yeah, I think... The streaming, it, it's like, well, you know, I just finished watching Inventing Anna. Have you seen that show? Uh, no, but I've heard about it. My wife has uh, been watching it. Well, I just finished it last night. And, um, you know, it's a true story. So there's always going to be those shows that stand out. Uh, that's one, to me, that stands out. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't quite get a grip on it. Like, what? Why? What? Oh, yeah. God. You know, and then there's so I think if you've got something good, you've got it. It doesn't matter streaming or technology. It all comes down to a script, to the actors, to what goes into that package. So, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think if you ask me about branding today, branding's different than when I started because. When I started, I made store appearances across the country. I'd fly every week to a new city, just one or two days. Today, it's done Instagram. It's all about Instagram. And to me, 
it's great, it's fun, but Instagram isn't looking in somebody's eyes. It's not reality. It's not, it's enhanced. It's, let's face it, you know, if you want to enhance the photography in it, you can. If you, you know, it's just different. So, yeah, branding today is different, and everybody wants to brand. I started branding when no one wanted to brand or no one branded and what's interesting about that, and and you're right, because I think the same thing. I think with 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 the internet, with Instagram, with Twitter, with Facebook, whatever it is, yes, it's great to get that information, but it's very impersonal. There's no contact with the person, like whenever you said you would go city to city to a different location or whatever it is, you actually got to meet the people. This way, yeah, you get to see what they have to say, but there's not that connection you had before. No, I grew up, that, my customer grew up with me. I shook their hands. They looked right. in my eyes. There was a truth. There was a reality to it. And I still have that customer today. You know, over 100 million women have worn my clothes. That's, that's a lot. That that's makes amazing. me feel great. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I sort of think that, yes, Instagram and uh, Twitter and all, it's very important, but... I sort of like the anticipation and the mystery to what we had. Everything's in your face today, and I, I, I don't even think it's always the truth in your face. So um, I'm doing Instagram, and, you know, for branding, you sort of have to, but right. it's, I prefer the other way, really. Because I, I find that interesting, that um, that you would rather do the in-person the connection with your clientele but again since you've been doing it for so long and that's the way you did it and that's how you became successful i can understand that um so we've all been dealing with the whole pandemic for the last two years Mm -hmm. has that changed what you've done in the public eye have you been doing everything from home are you still very leery about going out in public how's that working for you you know, at the beginning, um, my husband and I, we spent a lot of time in Santa Barbara. We have a little getaway there on the water, and it was beautiful. And it, we really slowed down, and we really, it was just the two of us. I mean, the kids, too. They'd come and go and come and go, or would come back here. I was never away from the kids. But um, there was something, listen, you hate the tragedy of it and the people, the loss of lives. Right. But there was something where you connect to just just sort of being able to be alone and be quiet and do things you never did. I mean, as far as now, I mean, they're lifting mask mandates. I hate the masks, but I wear them. I just traveled to Virginia to see my son, and I had that mask, and I felt so sick. You know, so I look. I'm married to a doctor who preaches in my ear. His mantra is, <laughs> masks don't help. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but we wear them, and I wear them when required, when the rules are there. But I'm out in the world now. I mean, I go, I shop, I uh, work. I'm around crews on sets. Um, I launched a line. So life went on for me. And for some people, it doesn't. And I think that can cause... Ooh, depression, and I think kids need to be in school. I really do, whether they're in a mask or not. 
um, I'm vaccinated. I had the booster. Uh, being married to a doctor, you get, I get so many facts. If, if he were on the phone now, he could fill your ear for an hour <laughs> about the vaccination. And, well, and I wouldn't even do that to you because well, it's not fun. I, I, I hear that because I have a niece and I have a brother-in-law who are both doctors, and I have a sister-in-law that is a nurse, and trust me, they mm-hmm. went through everything with me over and over again about what was going on and everything else because I asked them. I wanted to go to someone that I trusted, and those were the people that I trusted. So I understand where you're coming from on that. Right, right. and they've got the nitty-gritty. They've got right. the facts. They've got statistics. And um, I think we're coming out of it somewhat, don't yes. you? Yeah, oh, I agree with you totally. Um, but one thing I'm listening to you talk, and this is from beginning to now, you are a very positive person. Well, I have a positive, I'm, I'm, yeah, well, thank you. I have a positive life. I have a husband that I adore and he adores me. You know, we, I have great kids. I have mm-hmm. grandchildren and I have a career and I've just kept going and working and thinking, listen, you know what? <laughs> It's so good. Our line, we're so lucky. We really are. When I think of the Ukraine, when I think of what those people are going through, it breaks your heart in two. And, you know, we just got to be grateful and we got to do it right. And so, yeah, I, I think I'm a lucky girl and I'm pretty positive because life is good. Life is what we make it, too. Mm-hmm. I always say my husband lives at Disneyland. He he he's a dreamer of dreams, but not in medicine and vaccination, but in other areas. Right. So you know you surround yourself with positive people. You're going to be positive. Right, and and I understand that totally. So, do you have any other have any TV projects that are coming up or movie projects coming up in the near future? I'm reading something now that they want Cheryl Ladd and I to do, but I I have to finish the script today. It's a caper it's sort of again are they trying to revisit the two roles well they're just trying to put us together but it's not anything to do to connect to charlie's okay but again if you put you two together everybody's going to automatically connect you to charlie's and that is sort of a drawback to it because okay when you're taking on a different role you don't want to connect to that you want to be seen in a new light so I've been reticent about doing that sort of thing. But I don't know. I might. I'm going to finish the script and see what I think. And you said that, uh, and you made the comment about um, your your fabrics. Are they not, you said they may be coming out? They may not be coming out? Oh, no, no. The fabrics are out and have been out for okay. 10 years. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a line trend. It's for fabric cut. Oh, okay. Jacqueline I'm sorry. Smith I misunderstood you. For Fabric Cut, it's a huge company. Okay. My apparel is not out yet. Okay. But I've designed a collection that I'm very proud of that I can't wait for people to touch and see and put on. Uh, we'll see. We'll so see where it goes. The apparel, will it be sold online? Will it be sold in stores? That's what How we're is... negotiating now. Okay. Okay. Right. I was just I was just curious about that because I'm on your website right now and I still see that you have a, a a link for Kmart and Sears, which most of us in the United States we don't have Kmart or Sears anywhere near us anymore because of the closings. Right now, as far as that link, they have four or five months to sell off what I had. Okay. But it, you know, I'm really not 
designing more for Sears. I'm going in a new direction. Okay. So, um, so I was curious about that. So, Jacqueline, this has been a pleasure. This has been a real treat. I really thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. Um, well, and, it's and been taking... fun, and I hope I answered all your questions. <laughs> oh, trust me, I probably could go on for another two hours, but I can't do that. Do you? <laughs> well, I've enjoyed it, and if, you know, next time maybe in person. Oh, that would be fantastic. I would love on it. On Zoom. And that works for me also. And also, um, when the book comes out, I would love to have you back on again so we can talk about it and, and go into the nitty-gritty of what you feel is important when you wrote the book and everything. Okay. So, oh, very one good. more question before I let you go. So are you uh-huh. writing this book yourself, or do you have a, someone helping you? Well, I, I've worked with ghostwriters that didn't quite work out, okay. so I'm writing it myself now. Wow, that's a big undertaking right there. Yeah. Um, and how long have you been working on it so far? Too long. <laughs> They're saying, come on, hurry it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, it's just life interferes, you know? Oh, well, yeah. And then I put it down, and I'm always going to choose to play with my grandchildren. Well, that's what I was just going to say. The grandkids are more important than the book. They are. Yeah. They are. In fact, I'm sort of doing the book so they see, hey, this is what their Mimi did before. This is something they might not know about me. Well, that's what, and I'm glad you brought that up, even with your kids. Did they understand who you were when they were young? No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I sort of kept that from them, and they do know now, but I don't think they ever really watched Charlie's Angels, you know? And and the grandkids, have they seen you on TV and, and how they've responded? Nope, they haven't either. Wow. But I think I'm going to show them some things. Okay. I'm going to show them. You know, uh, I, I I wanted to show them a movie I did called The Night They Saved Christmas because yes, North Pole, Santa yeah. Claus, and I did want to show that. But, uh, you know, we didn't get around to it, but we will. <laughs> well, we will. Jacqueline, thank you very much. I really appreciate well, it. Thank you. I had fun and nice to go down memory lane. And you have a great day. Hey, a big thank you goes out to Jacqueline Smith for joining me today. Boy, was that a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. I hope you did, too. And we'll talk to you guys next time here on The Bill Alexander Show. Thank you for listening to The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a million-dollar baby production. For more information, go to thebillalexandershow.com. Meet Allison, teammate at Truist Bank. Hi. She was born to care, and she always had your back. You could say that. Like that time back in the mid-80s when she spotted Stacy Kaminsky with her new perm, and a car was coming, about to hit a puddle. So Allison jumps in front of the splash, just in time to protect Stacy's fresh curls. Look, I had to do it. A wet perm just doesn't work. Today, Allison's a teammate at Truist, the bank that starts with care. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Learn more at truist.com slash care. Truist Bank, member FDIC. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Hear that? 
That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.